2 Timothy 2.2 is Paul's inspired classic formula to Timothy explaining to him how to move not only the gospel but also the doctrines of the faith to other people and to future generations. I'll say that again. Let me read the verse and then I'll make the statement again. I want you to get this. He said, the things that thou hast heard of me, Paul says to Timothy, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So let me say that again. This is Paul's inspired classic formula to Timothy, explaining to him how to move not only the gospel, but also the great doctrines of the faith to other people and to future generations. In this formula, you see four generations of Christians. Notice, first of all, the first generation is the teacher. Paul said, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. So Paul is the first generation. <coughs> Excuse me. The second generation is the student. He said, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou. So that's the second generation. So first generation of truth here is Paul the teacher. Second generation is Timothy the student. The third generation in this verse is the students. Students. Timothy's students. It says the same commit thou to faithful men. And then the fourth generation of truth in this formula is the students of the student students. Now, you know, that's getting about as confusing as great, 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 great grandfather right there, but there's four generations of truth here. The teacher, the students, um, the student students, and the students of the student students. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, there have been so many important observations that have been made and that must be made on this formula, whether you realize it or not. This verse has been taught and preached and examined in so many ways by so many people because it is such a clear-cut formula. Let's be frank. This is how the, the gospel and the doctrines of Christianity have endured for 2,000 years. This formula right here. But I want you to notice just a few observations that must be made on this formula. For one thing, for this formula to work, the student must become a teacher. Timothy goes from being a student receiving from Paul to being a teacher teaching a group of students. So this formula does not work if the student is not willing to become a teacher. Secondly, <coughs> Another observation that's been made on this text is that for this formula to work, the student must teach his students the same thing that his teachers taught him. Now, 
Styles change, methods change, certain things change. And by the way, that which changes in, in what we pass on may be that which wasn't all that essential to begin with. Every generation has had maybe some non-essentials that, that weren't so important. But what endures among sincere Christians are the essential doctrines of the faith. And uh, that's why it's very important that when the student becomes a teacher, that his substance remain the same. There have been some things that, that you know, and I was raised in church and I had some tremendous pastors and teachers. and There have been some things that I have considered and said, I wonder how important that is and I wonder what's the scriptural basis for that. There have been some non-essential doctrines and, and, and or maybe I should say lesser important doctrines that I have received and and prayerfully considered and studied and tweaked a little bit, and I pass them on differently than I receive them. But let me tell you, I've never messed with the Bible as the Word of God. I've never messed with Jesus as the Son of God. I've never messed with Jesus' substitutionary death and, and a long list of things that I, I have found out what the Bible teaches about them, and I have reinforced my belief about them, but at the end of the day, I teach it just like I was taught it. And it's not so much a loyalty to our teachers that I'm stressing right now as it is a the desire to change is dangerous. It's one thing for me, and, and I'll just take one, uh, one thing. What I believe about the gift of tongues and what I teach about the gift of tongues, frankly, is not exactly the same as what I was taught. And that is, in my opinion, a less essential doctrine. Now, I don't talk about the gift of tongues that often because, in my opinion, it's not a factor in the age, in, in the church age. It was a factor. The, the, the gift of tongues was an apostolic age gift. It died with the apostles. And uh, that's controversial to you. I'm sorry. We'll have to have that controversy some other time. But that is something, now here, here is something where I probably do differ a little bit with, with what I was taught. And that is, <laughs> I'm not going to tell the Lord that he can't give me the gift of tongues if he deems it necessary. I've heard preachers be so emphatic about, bless God, that's not today. God won't do that today. Well, wait a minute. He can if he wants to. And so I'm not going to put that limitation on God. But for the most part, what I teach about it is what I was handed it. So how did I get there? I wasn't trying to change what I believed. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to change what I'd been taught. I was seeking the Lord, and the Lord showed me some things, and now I teach it just a little bit different than I was taught. But listen, the deity of Christ, I teach it exactly as I was taught. Why? Because it lines up 100% with the Bible. And we go on and on and on with the doctrines about that. But it's the desire. Here's, here's the dangerous thing, and this isn't the message, but, but we're here, so let me address it. It's a dangerous thing when we're handed something 
that got us saved. It got us on fire for God. It got us living for God. And we go, you know, I'm not sure this is relevant for 2017. I'm going to adjust it a little bit because people don't like to hear that these days. That's dangerous. And so it's dangerous to what? Well, first of all, to you because you're going to wind up teaching and believing false doctrine. It's also dangerous to the to the gospel because it winds up getting twisted when we start looking at what people want to hear. Anyway, let's keep moving because we're not to the point yet. Another observation that's been made on this text is that if this formula is not followed, the faith dies. Now, I believe that when Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, I believe he was teaching us that the faith will not die. But I'm talking about, hey, the faith will endure till Jesus comes again, even though he did ask the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? But there's no guarantee that the faith has to endure in this town. You men that came with us last night, and we started out at the First Baptist Church Foundation and ended up at what that church is now. There's no guarantee, and this is, this is the thing that drives me on this whole thing. This is why I won't let go. There's no guarantee that in five years that that can't be an open and affirming church with a rainbow flag hanging out front. There's, there's no guarantee that that can't happen. So, yes, I believe Jesus indicated that the faith will endure till he comes again but there's no guarantee that it'll happen where we live. I want to make sure that the faith is carried on where we live. So understand that if this formula is not followed, the faith dies. And I want you to also notice this observation that has been made many times that this formula is what has gotten the New Testament church and its doctrines to us. I don't know of a greater miracle and a greater illustration of the validity and the authenticity of the Christian faith than the fact that Jesus' teachings, the teachings of a carpenter, humanly speaking, just a carpenter from a small town with no formal education, never wrote a book. I'm talking about never pen, never was an author, a literal uh, uh, author of a book. You know what I'm saying. Let's not have that debate. You know what I'm saying. And 2,000 years, it's all around. His teachings are all around the world just as he taught them 2,000 years ago. That's amazing. And I don't know of a better proof than that of the validity of Jesus Christ and his ministry. But what is the tool that he used to make that happen? This rule right here. This formula right here, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So these are some of the observations that have been made on this text. But I heard an observation made about this formula this week that I don't ever remember hearing before. I was sitting, and of course, you know, I went this week to the, uh, the Heart to Help Forum 
at uh, First Baptist Church of Hammond. And you got to pick different classes you went to, and I, I chose to go to the Soul Winning and Discipleship uh, session taught by Pastor Wilkerson. And as I'm sitting there hearing Pastor Wilkerson teach on discipleship, he made this statement. Nice, loving, kind John Wilkerson made this statement. Not everyone is worthy of being discipled. I thought, Brother Wilkerson, that's mean. Not everyone is worthy of being discipled. And right away he acknowledged, I know that sounds kind of mean. But he said, let's, let's hear it in the Bible. And he quoted this verse. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to who? Faithful men. It does not say the same commit thou to other men. It says faithful men. And what you have to infer from that is that if you are not faithful, you are not worthy of having the doctrines of the Christian faith committed to you. And on that basis, he said, not everyone is worthy of being discipled. Now, every person needs and is worthy of hearing the gospel. That's not, that's not the point. Paul said, I am debtor both to the Jews and to the Greeks. He said, I'm debtor to everybody to get the gospel. We're not talking about sharing the gospel now. We're talking about taking the time and the energy and the effort and the resources to spend hours and hours and hours with another human being to disciple them in the Christian faith. That's discipleship, and it's that that Pastor Wilkerson said, based on this verse, not everyone is worthy of discipleship. And his point was this, that the first level of a discipleship program ought to be designed to weed out those who are not worthy of it. Now we went, we had an intense discipleship program back in 2008 and it built some of the best Christians in our church. But we found out that not everyone who started it finished it because not everybody showed up to their, to their weekly meetings and, and not everybody uh, did the assignments. Not everybody memorized the scripture. And that's what he's talking about. Now, we're not talking about discipleship tonight directly, but that's the context that, that we looked at this is. Understand this. Not everyone is worthy of being discipled. Oh, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. There was a man here this morning that I worked a disciple about four years ago. And frankly, and I tried and tried and tried and tried and finally came to the conclusion, you know what, this guy's not serious about it. He's playing games. And I love him. He's clearly welcome here. He was allowed to come here this morning and, and felt right at home. That's fine. And was hugging people, and it was great. And, but I had to come to the conclusion He's not worthy of being discipled. There's not a slam on him. Maybe someday he'll grow the place where he is, but he wasn't at that time. Now, as I pondered that thought this week, and it stuck, clearly it stuck with me. As I pondered that thought this week, a couple of questions have hounded me. Number one, am I worthy 
of having godly teachers invest in me. You know, the number one reason that we have guest preachers come here is to grow me so that I can help you to grow spiritually. Am I worthy of their time? And I really, I, I worry about when they come, when Dr. Williams was here. I'm thinking, Dr. Tom Williams knows more about faith and prayer than anybody else I know. Am I really a trustworthy enough student as he's sitting here one-on-one teaching me about prayer that it's worth his time to be here instead of somewhere else? And we ought to value the fact that People are investing in us. So am I worthy of having godly teachers invest in me? But then the other question that has hounded me since I first thought about this on Tuesday, what distinguishes those who are worthy of being taught, mentored, discipled, coached? Those of of you who are in a Sunday night crowd, it's many of you who are involved in the ministries of our church, you know this good and well. You can't give your full attention to everybody. And you find yourself in the difficult position of deciding who is most worthy of your energy. Now, you can pray for everybody. You can love everybody. You can care about everybody. You can visit everybody. But when it comes to, I only have so much time to invest in this or that or the other. Who is most worthy of your attention? You won't be productive if you can't honestly say, you know what, there's some people that just honestly before God with my limited time and resources, they are not worthy of the investment. They say, that sounds so cruel. I know it does. And if you think I'm cruel, I think you really would have thought the Apostle Paul was cruel. He said, the same commit thou to faithful men. And that is the word that distinguishes those who are worthy of being taught, (coughs) mentored, discipled, and coached. So let's look at this text, at this verse. I want to look at the areas of faithfulness that are essential to this formula. And I hope you care. Okay, let me be frank. If you don't care about this, then you're in the category of those that are not worthy. You can become worthy by, by maybe caring at some point. But if you think, oh, this is so boring. I just don't care about this. Okay, you are a prime example of what, 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 what Paul's talking about here. Not everyone is worthy of being entrusted with the doctrines of the faith. All right, areas of faithfulness that are essential to this formula. Number one, faithful to the place of teaching. Faithful to the place of teaching. Notice he said, the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Sounds like they were in an assembly of some sort. Sounds like they were, and this is for all the folks, and I don't think there's any of you here tonight, but all those folks out there and Universal church land, <clears throat> invisible church land. When the Bible says I gotta go to church, well, this right here, Paul said, Timothy, the stuff that you've learned, you've learned among many witnesses. 
So the first thing you've got to be faithful to if you want to be worthy, the first thing I've got to be faithful to if I want to be worthy of being discipled is to be faithful to the place of teaching, not just the morning service and not just the evening service, not just Wednesday night, not just the Sunday school class, although I think those four are essential. <coughs> but any place where God opens a door of opportunity for you to be taught. We had, I don't know, I'm guessing it's, uh, well, it's got to be at least eight years ago, maybe more. I don't know, the Lord just put it on my heart to teach a, a leadership class. We needed some, some people to step up and be uh, leaders, and so I handpicked. I, I, didn't, I didn't announce it to the church. I handpicked some people, and I said, we're going to have, I think it was a six-week course, maybe five, maybe seven, but something like that course. We were met in that room right there because that's like the only room we have, and I put together this curriculum, I put together, I still have it, I put together this whole thing of these weeks, whatever they were, five, six weeks, and I told the people that I invited, I said, number one, if you, as soon as you miss one, you're out. And number two, if you're going to be in this, you've got to be on time. There's not, a, there, there's not a more primary lesson of leadership than that. Show up and be on time. Be early. And... Uh, I mean, we had people right away, people that I invited, they didn't come. And after they missed the first one, oh, pastor, please, can you make an exception? I said, listen, one of the things I'm teaching the people who did come is you don't make exceptions on some things. So no, maybe we'll do this again, but no, this is not for you. If you want, if you want to be worthy of being invested in, you got to show up. Amen. And by the way, would you like to know, you know, who did show up? He's our youth director now. You want to know somebody else who did show up? He's running the uh, media department at, at First Baptist Church of Hammond. There is something about this thing of showing up to where the, the, the many witnesses are. Faithful to the place of teaching. Number two, faithful to being a good listener. The things that thou hast heard. All right, so I'm trying to figure out who, you know, I want to I put some intense time into helping somebody grow as a Christian. But I can't, I can't do that for everybody. So who is worthy of that investment? Well, the things that thou hast heard. So I look around and I watch. Now, the truth is, I don't always catch what's going on while I'm, while I'm preaching. My wife told me this morning about uh, somebody that was sitting behind her that was playing with a chain like the whole service, distracting the visitors. I didn't see that at all. I didn't notice it. I, I you know, I, maybe it's focus, whatever it is. Maybe I'm just a doofus, but I didn't I notice it. But sometimes I'm preaching away and, you know, somebody's just sitting back there chomping on their gum, looking out the window. Hey, I'll tell you what I do notice every time is folks that walk in 20 minutes after the service started. Oh, I never miss that. That's somebody who is not a good listener. You say, what does being late have to be with a good listener? You can't hear something if you ain't here. Amen. So faithful to the place of teaching, faithful to being a good listener. Third, faithful to being teachable. The things that thou hast heard of me. <clears throat> you know, Timothy walked around with this thing of, well, you know, Paul's just a man. He's just a man like everybody else. 
Timothy wasn't going to be teachable then. What can he teach me? He doesn't, he doesn't know. What does he know that I don't? What, what can he get from God that I can't get from God? Listen, if that attitude, which you hear sometimes, what, he's just a man. I can get everything from God he can get. Then why is this formula even necessary if God believes that? So faithful to being teachable. And teachable is, I want to learn. I want to learn. Listen, every once in a while, for some reason or another, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm there to hear a 12-year-old preach. And I'd be a fool if I'd sit out there and say, 12 years old, I've been preaching since I was 12 years old. He can't teach me anything. Okay, then you're not going to learn a thing. Maybe God had something for you out of the mouth of babes. Be teachable. Faithful also to the doctrine. The things which thou hast heard of me, the same. I sort of hit the hit on this already, but let me just say, we ought to handle the doctrine with fear and trembling. We ought not just take everything and mix it up any way we want to and pass it down. Listen, when I teach anything that varies from what I've been taught, I do so, oh, so carefully, seeking the Lord, seeking his face. Because I do not, I want the people who sit in our church to go forward in their Christian faith as close to the way that Jesus taught it and as close to the way the apostles taught it as possible. And I'm, I'm the steward of that. So I don't care what, what the society says. I don't care what public opinion is. My concern is, are you getting the real thing? Are you getting it if, if Jesus came and taught <clears throat> Would you go, well, that's not the way pastor said it. Man, I don't want that to happen. Faithful to the doctrine. By the way, that's why I watch the way people follow rules and procedures. It, because if I say, hey, we're going to do this this way, and then I come and after a few weeks of you doing it, it's completely different than the way we discussed. What's the deal? How come we're doing it this way? Well, I just thought it would be a good idea. Okay, if you'll change the way that we do something, something that doesn't matter, you'll change the doctrine. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. We're halfway through these points. Not halfway through the message. Halfway through these points. Number five, what, are, what else do you need to be faithful to? Faithful enough to be able to recognize faithfulness. The same commit thou to faithful men. All right, if you're going to identify faithful men, you've got to know what faithfulness looks like. <coughs> if the teacher isn't faithful, he's not going to recognize the faithful people that she, he, he should invest in. Listen, teacher, Sunday school teacher, ministry worker, whoever you are, Whatever you practice, 
especially in front of your students. And by the way, you never know when you're going to be in front of your students. You may think, well, I'm just down at Home Depot. And I, I, I can't go anywhere. I'm not saying I'm constantly mobbed. I'm saying there's no setting in the city of Danbury where I haven't run into somebody that says, Pastor! And somebody that hasn't been to church in 15 years is still calling me pastor. And praise the Lord for that. I'm glad they are. But I'm thinking, boy, I'm, I'm sure glad I didn't curse the clerk out when they were rude to me. That's not the only reason I don't curse the clerk out, but, but that's one good reason. Why? Because there's somebody over there that I didn't even recognize calling me pastor. And by the way, if there's people that call me out when I don't see them, how many others see me and don't say anything? And I've got to have a good testimony in front of them. So, well, man, I'll, you know, I'll do right when I'm in front of my students. You never know when you're going to be in front of your students. But the way you live as a teacher is the way your students will live. Careless teachers will produce careless students. Apathetic teachers, I guess that's the same as careless pretty much will produce apathetic students. Late teachers will produce late students. I don't think there's anything in the world that's a bigger tragedy than a classroom of children sitting there watching their... I even felt guilty this morning, that family that, that came. I've never had this happen before. This is incredible. Today was a landmark day. Never happened before, probably never happened again. 30 minutes before Sunday school began, this man walks in. It's just me and Amy. He said... Um, I need to find a church for my wife and family, and I don't know how to do it. <laughs> it caught me so off guard. I'm like, I don't either. <laughs> That's not the way we roll. <laughs> but 30 minutes, even though, even though it is, it is unreasonable for me to expect that all the teachers should be here 30 minutes before Sunday, I don't expect that. You do a great job of getting here. I still felt guilty that he walked into an empty room. It it ought to embarrass us to death if one of our students comes earlier than we do as teachers. Number six, faithful to build your students. It says, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able. See, it was Timothy's responsibility to make sure that the people he taught were equipped to teach people that came after them. And so, it's got to be people who are faithful to invest in other people. That means people that are setting an example. Can can I throw this out along this line? Let's be careful to keep our conversation as much as we can about the things of God. There's all kinds of time to talk sports. There's all kinds of time to talk politics. We have precious few minutes right here. There's all kinds of time to talk current events. And I know you can use sports and current events to to get a conversation rolling. But man, if we come together and all we do is talk sports and current events and and, let me tell you what happened to me one time and this and that, and we don't talk about our Savior, what are we really accomplishing? Well, is the pastor supposed to? No. 
We have a lot of prayer meetings around here. When you're at a prayer meeting and you finish praying before everyone else, either keep silent or talk about the Lord. I'm not rebuking anybody. I'm just saying this is how we need to do this. Let's keep our hearts close to the Lord. Instead of while, while someone's still praying, we're over here talking about whatever. You know, how about those? Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what we can talk about. <laughs> I swore off on the NFL this year. The Jets are three and two. They sucked me back in. They told me this is going to be the worst NFL team in history. Meanwhile, we've got several teams that haven't won a game yet. The Jets are three and two. So I snuck back in a little bit. But anyway, so there's my sports talk. And here's some people over here talking. I'm saying, man, can you believe it? Those Jets, they're, they're not, they're not going to win their Super Bowl, but they got a winning record right now. Wait a minute. They're before the throne of God over there. I need to shut up. You say, especially if you're talking about the Jets, you need to shut up. Yes, you're right. Number six. Oh, number seven. Faithful to grow. So <clears throat> it's the teacher's responsibility to make his students able to teach as much as possible, but it's also the student's responsibility to keep growing in his ability. Teachers, are you learning? Are you reading? Are you growing? What did you feed on this week? What did you learn this week? Aside from your lesson, aside from your material, what did you learn this past week that is worth passing along? To your students. Number eight, last one. Faithful to your teaching commitments. It says, who shall be able to teach others also? If you're going to be one of these faithful men, you've got to be somebody <coughs> who is faithful to your commitments. Can I just share something with you? And we're, I'm all done. Can I share something with you that will just, just clue you in? I think I say this from time to time, but I think you need to know this. I don't ever ask anybody to be in a position of influence hoping that that'll make you faithful. You know, if I ask him to be a teacher, then he'll take it seriously and he'll show up every week. Never. I ask people who are faithful to then be faithful to a class or faithful to a ministry. A position of influence. Now, if I'm going to ask you to do a job like, hey, would you make sure the refrigerator in there is stocked with bottled waters, which is, by the way, a job I need to ask somebody to do. But uh, would you make sure that that refrigerator in there is stocked with bottled waters every week? I can ask a person who's not faithful and hope that that job makes them faithful. Because if they fail, I still got my Yeti. Amen? So if, if they fail, I can still stock it. It's, it's not the, But a position of influence is different. If you're going to influence people, you have to show up. You have to show up faithfully. You have to show up early. You have to show up prepared. And so, no, I don't ask anybody. You know, maybe if I make him a teacher, then he'll start being faithful. No, that's a recipe for disaster. Now, sometimes I've asked people to be teachers who were faithful, and for some reason they became a teacher and became unfaithful. And I have to say, I think I'm pretty patient with those folks. I let them go a long time, and then I watch as the Lord removes their position of influence. The Lord makes them irrelevant. The Lord makes it so that they have no influence over people anymore. And I'd rather, by the way, I'd rather have the preacher fire me than have God deal with me anyway. But that can't be, I don't know how that can be helped. But what can be helped is, I'm not going to ask you to do a job 
in the hopes that it'll make you faithful. I want to I see those who are faithful and ask them, hey, you, you, would be, you would be one to commit the doctrines of the faith to. I hope you got it tonight. I don't have any big dramatic story to end the message with. I hope you got the meat and the substance of that. And ask, answer those two questions for yourself. Number one, am I worthy of being invested in? Number two, who is it that I'm in, in the circle of people that the Lord has? Now, look, if you're a parent, every one of your children needs to be invested in. That's not, that's not a thing. But if you're a teacher, and, and, you know, you've got this big, vast group of people. These are the people I visit every week. These are the people that uh, come to class. These are people. You've got a large number, and you just you can't give the same level of attention to all of them. This question of faithfulness will help you figure out, that's where I need to put my focus. That's where I need to put my resources. Let's stand together tonight.